Well, good evening, everybody, and it really is a good evening. It's beautiful. Uh, thank you for coming um, to our final night as we think about what is quite simply the most important topic in all the world. We're thinking these three nights about who is Jesus, and you cannot understand the Christian faith or life or the universe without uh, factoring in, without reckoning with the person of Jesus. The previous two nights, uh, which you can download and listen to through our Facebook page, we've thought about how Jesus is the faithful witness, the one who reveals to us what God is like, uh, reveals to us what we are truly like, and speaks to us of our greatest need. We thought last night of how he is the one who gives hope in the face of death. Uh, He gave himself up to death so that we might have hope in the face of death. And all that we've been thinking about comes from one verse in the very last book of the Bible. God's last message uh, to humanity before his son comes again. And it's from Revelation chapter 1 and it's verse Five in particular, but we'll read the first couple of verses of this uh, book together now. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And this is the threefold description of Jesus Christ that we're thinking on this week and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him. And all tribes of earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's pray as we seek God's help this evening. Father in heaven, thank you that you are a God who, though you are great and glorious and far above our our full understanding and comprehension, you have revealed yourself to us and made yourself known. We thank you for this revelation that we have from Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is a faithful witness, one who speaks truth to us, speaks truth to us about who you are, what you are like, And what you require of us and how far we fall short of your great glory because of our sin. We thank you that he is the firstborn of the dead. The one who died 
to suffer the punishment for his people's sin. The one who rose in victory and the one who lives reigning over all and ruling over all forevermore right now. And we ask that tonight as we think for some moments on this most important topic in all the world, who he is. We ask, Father, that you be pleased to send the Holy Spirit to work amongst us, to teach us, to instruct us, to change hearts, to bring glory to Jesus Christ, because he is worthy of glory and dominion forever and ever. And so we ask it all in his name and for the glory of his name. Amen. Our question tonight is, who do you serve? And of all the questions that we've thought about this week, it's perhaps the oddest question. Uh, The first question we thought about, who do you listen to? Well, we can see and we can acknowledge that we're all influenced by others in some way or another. Voices speak into our lives and we listen. Uh, Last night we thought about, who do you hope in? We all have something that we're looking forward to. We all have something that we're resting on and relying on for the future. But who do you serve? That's not perhaps an idea that we think about very often or a question that we think about very often. Perhaps our instinctive answer is no one. No one tells me what to do. I'm no servant. No one demands my obedience. I'm the boss. I serve myself. Well, you see, actually, you do serve someone then, even if it's just yourself. You serve someone. It's the way that we're wired. Our time, our energy, our abilities have to go towards someone or something. And it acts as the the goal and the motivator and the focus of our lives. And actually, we treat it as if it's the supreme thing in our lives. It's like we crown it. And treat it as our king. And we serve our king. Now in the times when the Bible was first written. The time that John is living in and writing to. Perhaps the the people then had a better idea and a better concept of this. Life was perhaps more defined by authority structures. You knew that you owed the emperor or the king your allegiance, your service, your obedience. And your life was subservient to the king or the emperor. And so when the call to to war went out, you went out and you served because that was your duty. And you think even more recently, the posters during the World War, uh, your country needs you. You served your king or your president. You served your country. Now, today in the 21st century, we're maybe less bound to serving earthly kings, but we're no less bound to serve and serving kings. We serve other kings in our lives. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, there's so many things that can function as a king in our life and as the king of our life. Things outside of us can function as a king and Things outside of us can control our lives. Perhaps your life is controlled by a parent. Uh, They're domineering or perhaps you crave their approval and that determines the whole course of your life. Or maybe there's a boss and their demands drive and direct your life. Or perhaps there's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you're trying to win and, and keep. 
and they control your life. You serve them. So there are things that outside of us that control us. Or maybe there are things that, that we crown ourselves, we give the crown to, we choose them as our king, as our supreme uh, thing. Maybe it's, it's our, our body and, and it's all about our diet and our fitness that, and our figure, that's all important. Or it could be our bank balance. Uh, all of life is an effort to maximise the bank balance. It might be our reputation, people's perceptions, people's opinions of us matter and shape the way we live. It can be our career. We use all of our abilities to get as high up the ladder as we can to be the best. Or it could be our our pleasures. All of our uh, lives are about our our downtime, our our playtime, our me time. And so we have these things and, and all that we are is poured out in the service of our king and in obedience to whatever it is that we've crowned. And you can identify what your king is by thinking about your life and asking a few simple questions. What's the first thing that you think about in the morning? That's an indicator to what your king is. What do you spend your money on? What do you spend your time on? What do you make sacrifices for? Look at your bank statement, your credit card statement, your debit card statement. That's a good indicator of what is king of your life. What do you daydream about? When you've got a spare few moments, where does your mind drift to? More often than not, it will drift to whatever is king of our lives. What do you fear losing the most? What if it was gone would make life not worth living? What is it that makes you lose your temper, makes you angry, makes you anxious, makes you afraid, makes you downhearted? The answers to these questions point towards the kings of our lives, the things that control us, the things that we serve. Listen to some comments from Madonna where she reveals who her king is in her life. I have an iron will, and all of my iron will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, and then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and interesting. My drive in life is from the horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Very revealing words, very honest words. What is it that controls her life? It's success. It's success. This is her king. All her energy, all of her iron will, and all of her determination is devoted to this King, success. Listen again. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre, of being average. Her desire, her goal is to be the best. And that's always pushing me. She serves the the need of being a success. That's her king. So we all have kings that we serve. Maybe you think, well, if we all serve something... 
It's all right as long as I decide, as long as I'm in control, as long as I put the, the, the crown on it and it's my choice. But even the kings that we choose, they come to control us. That's what Madonna's hinting at. Listen again. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended and it probably never will. Her desire and drive for success controls her. And she knows that it will never end. She has to prove that she's still a success. This king controls her. Everything is about pursuing this king. And it ends up that all of our decisions are based around pleasing and serving this king. And the crunch is that when it fails to satisfy us, it crushes us. It crushes us. You see, these things end up controlling us, even if we've chosen them as our king. Many of you here will remember Chris Everett, the number one tennis player, ladies tennis player of the 70s and 80s. 18 grand slams, uh, I think just recently surpassed in the record books by Serena Williams. Obviously her king was tennis, that was the career that she pursued. Listen to what she said in an interview as she approached retirement. I had no idea who I was or what I could be away from tennis. I was depressed and afraid because so much of my life had been defined by me being a tennis champion. I was completely lost. Winning made me feel like I was somebody. It made me feel pretty. It was like being hooked on a drug. I needed the wins, the applause, in order to have an identity. It controlled her. Do you hear that? I needed the wins, the applause. And then when the slow march of time took that away from her, it crushed her. I was depressed and afraid. I was completely lost. It controlled her. So what are we saying? Well, there are on this earth kings that we serve and that we obey. Things that control our lives. They might, be, they might well be literal kings and presidents and powers and politicians. And their decisions and their policies hold us in their grip. Financially, legally, economically, they restrict our freedoms. Perhaps less so in our country, but it's still the case in our country. It's definitely so in some totalitarian regimes. So there might be literal kings and powers. There might also be people in our lives, our family, our friends, our bosses, and we're dependent on them financially. And so they have a measure of control over our lives. And our desire is for their approval and for their love. And so we serve and obey them. Our king might be some experience from our past. Something that's scarred us. Something that's left hurts. Some, some abuse. Something that drives us. And it controls our lives. Our past. Our history. <clears throat> or it might be as we've said. Things that we 
have chosen. Our careers, our uh, goals in life, our ambitions, our finances, our hobbies, our health, our bodies, our relationships. Of course, there could be things that we consider vices, gambling, drink, sex. And any of these things and many more things can come to control us. And we serve them with our lives and we obey them. And friends, I want to put it to you tonight that any of these things and all of these things are not worth serving and obeying and devoting our lives to. Because all of them promise far more than they can ever deliver. They never get us to the point of satisfaction. And they ultimately, they ultimately crush us with the weight Either the weight of expectations and we carry this unfulfillable burden because they can't give us what we're seeking. They cannot satisfy us. Or they drag us down into a downward spiral that ends in despair. And one way or another, all of these things, any of these things, end up chaining us and enslaving us and dooming us. Ultimately, they're all cruel kings. They're all tyrants. Why, why can I say that? Why can I be so sure of that? <clears throat> well, I could tonight give example after example of uh, lives of people we know, famous people, and show how all the different kings that they have served in their lives have, have crushed them. We thought a little bit about that uh, last night with Ryan Giggs, and how he said he found no uh, enjoyment in playing football. Or, rather than trying to show how everything does this, we just point to the heart of the matter, the reasons why they fail and why they crush us. And ultimately it boils down to this. None of them satisfy, none of them bless us, none of them bring real prosperity to our lives as they promise. Because only God can do that. Only God can fill the hole that's there and that we're trying to fill. And that's because we're made in God's image. We're made like him. We're made to know him and to love him and to be loved by him. And that gives us a value and a worth and a dignity. That sets us apart from everything else in the universe. His stamp is on you in a way that it is on nothing else in all of creation. So we're made in his image and we're made to serve him. We're made to obey him. This is the original purpose, the original plan for men and women. And it's spoiled and distorted by sin. In sin, we serve ourselves. We don't serve God, we serve ourselves. But it's only when we serve him that we can know true blessing. It's like, uh, a little like this. My dad gave me a set of screwdriver bits and I not being all that bright I just thought they were normal uh, screwdriver bits Uh, so I was using them for screwing in all kinds of things around the house and the garden but they never seemed very good and not being very bright I couldn't quite put my finger on they're always popping out and as well as that there's a whole whole box of them and most of them seemed useless there was only one or two that I could use and the one or two I used they weren't very good and the rest just seemed utterly useless to me and I mentioned this to dad one time when he was up I said Joel 
Those are specialist drill bits. There are a set of drill bits for taking apart appliances like your Dyson and your, your washing machine. Now, set aside the fact that why on earth was he buying me a set of specialist drill bits? Let's set aside that question. I wasn't using them for the purpose for which they'd been made. Friends, you see, when we serve anything but God, we're not fulfilling the purpose for which we've been made. And it only leads to damage, the number of screws around my house that the the head has been worn away because they weren't used according to purpose. It only leads to damage. We've been made to serve the king. And our root problem, our base problem, is that we see the crown on God's head and we want it for ourselves. We want to snatch it and live by our own rules and live under our own choice of king. That's what happened right at the very start. God the king said, here's a lovely paradise to live in. Enjoy it all, but here's one thing you must not do. One rule from the king. And mankind said, no, no, no. We'll decide what we do. We'll decide what we do. I'll be king. We snatched the crown and it leads only to death. That's what happened at the start and it's the story of the whole human race up to now. We decide who will be king. We decide who will serve. But it just ends up enslaving us and dooming us and destroying us. But God doesn't leave us there. He sent Jesus. And this is where there's good news in this verse that we've been thinking about this week. And in this last description of Jesus in Revelation 1 verse 5. Because he is the ruler of the kings on earth. He is the ruler of the kings on earth. He came into this world born as a man, born as one of us. And he came to serve God and obey God. He came to do the very thing that we cannot do and that we have failed to do. And yet he died on the cross under God's curse. Like one who had rebelled. It's really potently symbolic, isn't it, that Jesus dies on a cross The death of a traitor, of a rebel against Caesar. He's dying as a rebel against God. Though he had never once rebelled. But as we thought last night, he rose from the dead. The tomb's empty, body never been produced by his enemies. He was seen by more than 500 people. And after he had risen, he announced all authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. By his life of obedience and by his death as a substitute for his people's sin. And by his resurrection victory over sin and Satan and death. It's like God gave him all power and all authority and all the universe to him. It's like God the Father said, here's all the authority of the universe. You have it because you are worthy of it. And he's on the throne of heaven and earth. He's the ruler of the kings on earth. The literal kings on earth, but also all those metaphorical kings that we've been thinking about this evening. And what that means, if he's the ruler of the kings of the earth, all kings 
owe their allegiance to him. And if all kings owe their allegiance to him, we owe our allegiance to him. He's the one that we should serve. He's the one to be crowned as king of our lives. And he claims our allegiance and our service and our life. He claims our obedience to his law. He claims our energy and our abilities in his service. He claims authority over every square inch of your life and existence. He says about it, it's mine and it's for me. And that could be frightening. If he is evil, if he is a tyrant, if he's a bully and a dictator. But he's not. He's not a tyrant king, he's a saviour king. He's the king who came to rescue us from our rebellion against the king. A crime so bad, it would have been utterly fair for uh, God to cast the entire human race into hell at that moment. He came to rescue us. And he came to redeem us. To, to set us free from slavery to all these false kings and cruel kings. To free us from their power. The joy and the happiness and the blessing that we're seeking, he gives to us. He redeems us. Do you understand what he's offering to you? Many of you here are facing powers in your life that are controlling, maybe even coercing you. Some of the things we thought about, it might be big business, big government, their policy. It might be cruel bosses. It might be bullies in the workplace or in school. It might be forces from your past, hurts and scars. It might be people whose approval you crave. It might be soul-killing addictions. You're facing powers in your life. And Jesus Christ is saying to you tonight, I have authority and power over them. And I can free you from their power. I can give you something better to serve. And more than that, I, by my power, can use these things for your good and for your benefit and for your blessing. I can use these things to build you up rather than crush you. I have them under my authority. But you must live under my authority. You must turn from yourself and from your sin. And you must turn to serve me and my law. And you must trust. You must believe that I have authority over sin, your sin, and over Satan, and even over death. You must trust that I have authority and power to defeat them. And he's saying to us tonight, the one who's the ruler of the kings on earth, Will you serve me? Will you serve me? And you know what it's like as we step back and look at this whole picture of our lives and our world. We were at a fun fair recently in France. And the first section of it is full of uh, trampolines and inflatables. All manner of inflatables. And you just see our little boy's eyes widen with sheer delight as he saw all this. Must be as close uh, to heaven and earth as any little uh, four-year-old boy can imagine. We raced onto the trampolines first and we bounced and bounced. But he moved on relatively quickly to the next one. 
and he bounced a while in the next set of inflatables and then he moved on relatively quickly to the next one and it was almost like none of them lived up and matched his expectations they were fun but he expected this and it was only this and so he would try something else and so he raced to the next one and he tried it and he raced to the next one and he tried it and on and on it went always seeking but, but never being satisfied even though all this choice was there that's what our lives are like Always seeking, always seeking someone or something to serve as a king. And bouncing from one to the next to the next, but never satisfied. And constantly moving. And trapped in a cycle of dissatisfaction. Because we're looking for the true king. We're looking for the one who's the ruler of the kings of the earth. We're looking for the one who's the ruler of all peoples. We're looking for the one, the king, who rescues from sin and from our rebellion against the king. We're looking for one who redeems us from all our false kings. And we're restless until we find him and come to him and serve him. So will you serve him? There's a very moving scene at the end of the first Lord of the Rings movie. Boromir is dying and he realises that Aragorn is the king that he and his people have been seeking all along and Aragorn is the only hope of rescue and deliverance for his people and his city. He realises this as he's dying but he'd rejected him and he'd rebelled against him and he'd gone his own way to do his own thing but he's realised his mistake and with his dying breath he says to Aragorn I would have followed you my brother my captain my king friends will you look at Jesus Christ and realise that you've rejected the king that you've been seeking and will you say I will follow you my brother my captain my king Let's pray as we close. Father in heaven, thank you for sending the king that we've been seeking. As we look at our own lives and our own stories, as we look at the uh, lives of everyone in this world, we see a constant bouncing from one thing to the next, seeking something that will satisfy, and all the while not going to the one that can satisfy. Oh Lord, show us the, the, the futility and the helplessness of all of our kings that we, uh, that we seek and serve. And show us the glory of Jesus Christ, the ruler of the kings of earth, the ruler of all peoples, our king. And Lord, may we say to him, my brother, my captain, my king, I will follow you. I will serve you. For we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.